I'm John Fox, and welcome to Startups, a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs and learn how they turn great ideas into successful, profitable companies. In this episode, we explore how a mechanical engineer and biking enthusiast has built a global business that designs and makes innovative, high-performance bikes by using advanced digital technologies to gain a competitive edge. My guest today is PJ Tolentino, founder and head engineer at Rorick Industries. Let me know what you think of this episode. You can tweet me at John H. Fox, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or email me at john.fox at siemens.com. Hi, PJ. Rorick Industries. Tell me a little bit about your company, how, how you started it, and where you got that name. Okay, so uh, let me start with the name first. So that name in our local dialect, which is Filipino, that translates into peak And then all our bikes are named after mountains in the Philippines. So when, for example, our very first bike, we call it the Rurok Cordillera, that's a homage to the peak of the Cordillera mountain ranges. So yes, we are a performance mountain bike company. We love riding bikes in our hearts. That's just really what we want to do. Rurok was born out of our obsession with bikes. That's just really how it all happened. We were just like really obsessive mountain bikers. Uh, and then probably we drank too much coffee and had all these ideas on what would make a better bike than what we were currently riding back then. It's this obsession that grew too much. Like we were so obsessed about those ideas that we could not sit still until we see it in real life. That's really how it all happened. That's how our first product, the Cordillera, was born. Got it. Now, there's, there are a lot of bike makers out there. What's different about your bikes? What's your differentiator, you think? Yeah, so this differentiator, that's actually at the core of why we existed, right? So it was about our idea of making a better bike than what we're currently riding, right? So we, we strongly feel that if we're going to be building a bike, there has to be something different about it. We don't think it's a good use of our time if we're just going to be making another good bike there are so many good bikes out there so it's not a good use of our time to have another me too bike our goal is to really make something that no no one has done before no one has explored or tried doing before for example really proud of a certain feature in one of our bikes it's a geometry adjustment feature i'd say riders like other mountain bikers can relate when i say that we really go crazy over like a 1.5 degree change in in headshoe bangle or a 1.5 inch change in wheel diameter. We, we go crazy over those sort of things. So in the feature that we put into one of our bikes, we are able to change that. No other bike can change the configuration just like how we do it with our bike. So for example, I swap out the wheels on my bike to match the trail I'm planning to ride. And I can't do that with any other kind of bike. Right. And your customers, they look at a feature like this and say, hey, that this is one of the reasons why we bought your bike. Exactly, exactly. This is something that no other bike has. It follows a really like a, a really a real need of mountain bikers because we're all crazy about all these angles, inches, diameters. So yeah, we're really that that's something that people are really looking for. And this is something that makes a difference during a race? Is that what you're saying? It's the whole performance of a bike, right? 
the kind of mountain biking that we're after is on the the performance side, right? We go over like really rough terrain, like really gnarly, lots of jumps, lots of big rocks. Our lives depend on how our bike performs. It's a mixture of all these different performance parameters, like stability, how well it handles, how well it turns its corners. So all that considered, that's what people are looking for. Right. We kind of jumped right into the product, but I'd, I'd like to step back a bit and talk about how you created the company and what challenges you faced. I, I mentioned it in the, a little bit in the beginning. Okay, you had a great idea. Maybe you had a great product design, but that's very different from creating a company. What types of challenges did you face in the beginning? Okay, so we, we never thought we'd turn this into a business. We were just friends, really. Like uh, like I said, we were just obsessed about bikes. None of us had the business experience. To be honest, we were just content on like, hey, what if we sell our current bikes and then use the money that we got from selling the bikes and get our own like, get our own special bike that we designed ourselves that no one, no other person had, and then. We'll, we'll be fine with that, right? So we can stop there. And then we showed it to everyone. And then suddenly we th- we noticed that people are really interested in it. So then we said, oh, okay, so people are turning it. Maybe we should start putting this into production. So that's how we started. That's why we started the business. Like I said, we're not, we're not business people. So we really struggled on the business part. Like we did not know how to handle operations, how to deal with our distributors, uh, stuff like that. So the, the, the biggest challenge that we had is more on the business side. How do, we, how do we sell this? Where do we sell this? How do we get more customers? One very significant challenge that we had was competition. Like I said, all other bikes out there, they're all really good. So it took a lot of effort to get our brand out and to let people know what we stand for. Now, technology really plays a big role in your company. You highlight it on your website, I know. Uh, I noticed a, a, a term you use, swarm optimization. That sounds really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's, that's super cool, right? Yeah, well, really excited to be, to be explaining this thing, right? Okay, so one of our goals with our latest bike is to get a really, a really good suspension design. So when you talk about bicycle suspension, you have your shock absorber, of course, and then you have all these linkages, pivot points, linkages. Um, These, whenever you hit a bump, your rear tire compresses the linkages, and then that in turn compresses the shock absorber. You have your suspension, right? Designing the suspension layout, that would mean like, how long would the linkages be? Where do you put the pivot points? That's actually a very, very difficult thing to do. There are plenty of ways to calculate the performance of a suspension layout, and it involves a lot of geometry. It, it involves a lot of math, a lot of length, angles, instant centers. Uh, it's, it's very involved, right? So when we set forth to design, our latest bike, we had really high design goals, right? Uh, We wanted to be very, very optimized. And we quickly realized that our design goals, like the performance that we want to reach, 
it's super impossible for a human being to figure out how to achieve those goals just because all the math is very, very complicated. So what we did, this is where swarm optimiz- optimization comes in. We actually like wrote our own little software code. This software code, all it does is like, it does what a human will do. It will design a suspension layout in, randomly, put it in, in, in space, and then it will do math and calculate the performance. And then it will keep on doing this millions and millions of times for several hours. I think we do it for one hour or 30 minutes or something like that. And then after calculating all the different layouts, the computer will then, the software will then choose the best one. So by doing that, we are able to optimize it way, way better than if we just as humans do it ourselves. Very cool. I know you're also doing a lot with generative design including around uh, the componentry that you're using in, in production right now. Could you talk about generative design? What What is it and how do you use it? Generative design, that's for me, I, I honestly believe that that is the future of design. The way I think about it, it's as simple as I, as the user, as the end user, I have my design requirements for a certain part, right? I want it to be this long. I want the holes to be here. I want it to be this strong, right? I don't want it to break this way. And then this part is going to be stressed in a certain direction. So I know all of these things because I'm the user, right? And then traditionally, engineers will calculate it by hand or use finite element analysis to see which parts are stressed, right? Generative design is a is a game changer for us because it eliminates that human step of trying to calculate and trying to find out for ourselves what is the best design possible because uh, generative design will just design the optimal part for us. So this method of letting the computer do design the part, that's what we used for our latest product. So using generative design and solid edge, we just tell the software, the generative design to design a part for us and then we get a part, and then from that part, we machine it and put it in the bike. It's that, it's that simple. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. And the designs you come up with using this approach maybe would have never existed before in that way. It's something, when you look at this thing, a human would not come up with this. It's like completely optimized kind of algorithmically, right? Yeah, definitely. It's like, I'm so fascinated by it because it's like, this is one of, I believe this is the first time that a computer, a software program has contributed creatively, has given its own creative inputs. The computer is creative now. It's not just yeah. a tool, like a ruler yeah. or a pencil for us to draw and to, to mark out the lines. It actually contributed what length to it, what thickness to do it. So yeah, that's just so fascinating for us. So you're a Siemens customer. Uh, you mentioned Solid Edge. How has Siemens been able to play a part in your endeavors as a, as a startup? Uh, Siemens was a big enabler of a lot of what we wanted to do. So yeah, so Solid Edge enabled us to take our ideas, validate those things digitally, and then fabricate it into reality. So that's, that's Solid Edge, right? 
we've done a lot of things, right? Yeah, we've collaborated a lot before. Yeah, I remember the first time I met you in uh, Singapore at that conference. That's right, that's right, in Singapore. So yeah, you you guys invited me to Singapore, to Detroit. So those collaborations have benefited me in in more ways than one, right? So those speaking engagement, it really gave us a lot of exposure, not just to our customers, but also to other people within the industry. We got into contact with a lot of them. And then also joining the conventions, it really inspired us with more ideas. In fact, John, I don't know if you know this or if I told you about this, but that whole swarm optimization, that actually, while we were at Singapore, I was in a car with one of Siemens engineers. He was talking about parametric optimization, which uses swarm optimization. We got a little chat and then it that that's where it clicked, right? So just being exposed to the other Siemens engineers, that definitely inspired us to give us ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So we're recording this on September 2020. So a pandemic is in the news. It's affecting our lives and how we do business as as a startup. How how is it affecting you and what are the challenges you're you're facing in this area? Okay. So I'll start with something positive. Okay. So one small silver lining with everything going on is that people started to ride bikes a lot more. So this is observed across the board, across everywhere. So because everyone has to stay home, had to change their lifestyle, people started buying bikes and riding bikes and going outdoors a lot more. So in terms of how that affected us, there was a surge in demand across the whole bike industry high demand for all kinds of bikes that we actually ran out of inventory. So one of our challenges right now is that we had to quickly ramp up production amidst a global shortage in raw materials. So yep, kind of a like a small silver lining. Yeah, on the demand side. I know you're, and you can maybe talk about your company, you're, you're pretty globally distributed, right? You know, how are you grappling with that? Everybody in different locations and probably I would expect you can't travel as much as maybe you'd like to or have in the past. Yeah, that's right. So I think that's more, uh, that's both a advantage and disadvantage for us. Uh, what I mean is that it's in our nature as a small startup company to be very agile and flexible. Working remotely was not like a very big change for us because that's how we've been operating for the most part. We all want to be working at our own time, right? So for example, the designers, we like to work at our own workstations, right? And then the, the best meeting we had is when we all meet up in trails and ride our bikes and go out for our, for our ride. So that's our, that's our meeting points, right? So I think uh, the difference now is that all this solidified the remote nature of how we do our business, right? We fully embraced all the collaboration tools at our disposal. So definitely like Team Center Share, we, we, we use those kinds of, th- those software to share our designs within our team and within our, uh, to our suppliers. So, and then um, chat tools, of course, that's very important right now. We more often than not communicate our ideas through, through those channels. That's how we do operations, right? We have one person doing the operations in the warehouse and then we communicate to that person via via chat. So stuff like that. So 
we were kind of doing that thing before, but this time it's it really solidified the need for us to embrace those tools, those communication tools at our disposal. So let's switch gears a little bit and think about the future. What challenges do you anticipate going forward from here? Increased demand is a nice challenge, right? What else? Well, right now, really, it's really the competition, right? Because the challenges across the whole industry, right? I would say that that means that there are more uh, competitors are able to come into play. So that's why it's it's even though that there's a surge in demand across the whole board, that also means that everyone had to st- has to step up and to do to do our best and do do good in order to succeed, in order to compete. Also, I think um, another challenge, because we are more of a performance-oriented bike company, we ha- we do a lot of mountain bikes, right? And these mountain bikes are ridden by the enthusiasts, the racers, the, the right. really obsessive bikers, right? There is a bigger surge in demand for the beginner bikes, right? Those who are just starting to ride bikes, and maybe even not mountain bikes, like people who want to ride bikes out in the street or use it for daily commute or personal transportation. Those areas, we are also, we, we see that as a, as both as a challenge and an opportunity for us. So we'll see, we'll see how that will, where that will take us. But yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, one of the things you're grappling with is just growth. Like the, the more demand you need to expand Talk about your growth and geographically. So you you know initially Philippines based. How are you handling like scaling up and and just growing from a from a maybe a local brand to now the, what's really a global brand, right? Yeah. Okay. So that goes back to we, we take our mantra of making better bikes seriously. That is for us the key to breaking into the global market, right? The international bike community wouldn't bat an eye if you were just making another good bike. But with all the unique features that we put on our bikes, everyone gets really curious and that really gets us noticed. So for, for example, right, we were really pleased that this year, for example, because of this, because of the uniqueness of our bikes, we just opened two new distributors here in the US. And then we had our first, bike review from a US-based bike reviewer, stuff like that. And then Mm -hmm. we are getting naturally growing into other areas, right? Not just US is one big target for us. So that's what we're focusing on right now. But we get like riders from the Middle East, Singapore, Australia. So we've been getting orders from all these different countries. And I think that's because our bikes are unique and that's because of the our, our mantra. We, we we make better bikes. Terrific. Maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you got a number of bike designs. Who they're for? I mean, among the listeners, there might be some bike enthusiasts out there. Talk a little bit about your product line and, and which bikes are best for which people. Okay. So right now we have three products, three bike models. Uh, we'll start with our very first bike, which is the Cordillera. It's a full suspension bike, and that means it's a bike with both suspension on the front tire and suspension on the rear tire. It has 150 millimeters of travel. That's the length of how the suspension compresses. 
And think about that as the longer the travel, the more aggressive it is because you're you're putting it into more of a bigger bigger terrain, bigger challenges, uh, yeah, more yeah. more aggressive trails, right? So the Cordillera is 115 millimeters, so it's just like the perfect all mountain bike. Like it's an all around bike. You can bring it anywhere. You can take it on your weekend ride, and you can also take it on an an all day epic towards one mountain stuff like that. So it's it's our do it all bike. And then our second product that is the Canlaon. It's a hardtail. So when you say a hardtail, you have your front suspension on the front tire, but there's no suspension in the rear. Now, for us, for the for us here, over here at Rurok, we think that. A full suspension bike is very capable. It can do anything. But we think that a hardtail bike is essential. You should have a hardtail bike first before getting a full suspension bike, stuff like that, because there are a lot of things that you can learn with a hardtail bike that you will skip over when you're riding a full suspension bike. This hardtail bike that we have, the Kanlao, and that has our unique geometry adjustment feature that you can swap around different wheel sizes, different wheel sets. We, we think that that makes the bike very, very versatile. And then the last product that we have, that is the Halcon. So if the Cordillera was an all-around bike, the Halcon is a do-it-all bike. It's a bike that has no limits, right? It is it is the ultimate aggressive bike for doing whatever whatever you really, really want to do with it. It has longer travel. That's all the features that we had. It has the generatively optimized linkages, making it them very stiff. It has the adjustable travel. It has the swarm optimized suspension. So it's our it's our ultimate bike right now. So yeah, so those are, those are our three product lines right now. Awesome. So wrapping up here, what advice do you have for, for other entrepreneurs like yourself? And you know, I know the, the people listening will have early stage startups, very early stage, some a bit more advanced and probably a lot of people who are just thinking about, you know, making the leap. So, so what advice would you offer? Okay. So really, John, I've been really thinking about that a lot recently. Thinking about it, I think I'm going to go against the grain of what most people think about when they think about startups or giving advice to startups. So the usual answer to that question is that Running a startup is hard work. You need to work hard. Okay, you follow your passion, right? If it's your passion, just keep on doing it. Work hard, never give up. Okay, stuff like that. But you know what? Lately, I've been I've been thinking about that it might be good or it might be something. There might be something to thinking about it from a different perspective. So maybe entrepreneurs, startup founders would also consider like, going with the flow, go along where the business takes you. What I mean by that is that sometimes maybe if something is really, really hard, you're trying to work hard to see something work. And then maybe maybe if you're really, really working hard and you're really struggling, maybe that means that you shouldn't be working hard and the the... the 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 flow is maybe telling us to go somewhere else, right? So maybe that's a good time to pivot, uh, let go of whatever you're thinking of. It kind of reminds me of something not a, not exactly a startup, but uh, Andy Grove from Intel. They they were they asked him 
you know, how did you make the transition from memory to microprocessors? Like, how did you make that strategic decision? The way you described it is actually the factories kind of switched over based on demand. Like it happened ground up and they just kind of, that led them into a whole new, hugely profitable business. So like, give me an example of that. So where did you have to pivot? Or you you were thinking one way and then the market or some other factor told you, hey, let's go with the flow in some other direction. I've been only thinking about that right now. So, but for example, how we started, right? We never thought, we never like really pushed for this to be a business. But uh-huh. then we went with the flow because people were interested in it, right? Right. I mean, in many ways, you were designing a great bike for your you and your friends. For us, right? Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. And then if no one liked it, that's okay, right? You'd be an accountant right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, also like um, our second product, the Hardtail, that came about because people were messaging us, hey, make a Hardtail, make, make, make something like this. So, yeah, okay, okay. So people were, were, were asking us to do this thing. So yeah, maybe, maybe we should maybe we should do something like that. Right. I get it. I get it. So anything else I didn't cover? Anything you want to tell your potential customers out there? Um, any any events or, or promotions or anything I missed? Well, events, as you know, there aren't <laughs> any. There aren't, there aren't much events happening <laughs> right now. Right. Webinars coming up. Yeah, webinars coming up. We used to have like our own R day. We call it the R day, which is like one day every year where we also like get in touch with all other riders. We celebrate a bit and that's not happening. That's not happening this year. Races also, like we join a lot of races. There are no races going on right now. So I think the best way to get in touch with us or to, to find out what's happening with us is to follow our social media accounts and our website. We are Rock Industries in Instagram, Facebook, our website. Yeah. So PJ, congratulations on your success. I'm, I'm glad, um, you know, despite the, the recent environment, you're actually seeing a increased demand. That's great to hear. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me also, John. Thank you very much. Good stuff.